You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. Well, we haven't met yet. My name is Maddie, and like Haley said, I work on staff here at the church. I lead worship. It's true. I am a pastor. I lead worship. I get to do some creative stuff. I get to work with Molly and Eamon and Pastor Jackson throughout the week. And it is so much fun. Speaking of Pastor Jackson and Molly, they have done such a good job at this series. Can we give them a hand really quick? Yeah. This series has been so good. Thank you guys so much for leading us in boldness on this platform. It's amazing. And tonight is the last week of With Boldness. Oh, it's okay. It's going to be good. It's going to be great. It's the last week, and Pastor Jackson gave me the topic of sacrificial mission with boldness. And I have a warning that we're going to get maybe like a little intense tonight. And I've got a lot of teaching for you, so I need everyone to lean in. If you have to sit on the edge of your chair and literally lean in, do that. If you have to move to not sit by a neighbor that you're going to talk to, do that. I want everyone to pay attention because we've got a big topic. But one of my favorite things about New Song students is that we don't shy away from the big topics and that we don't dumb down the Bible because you guys are young. Like we preach the word here. And so that is what I aim to do. And I think you guys can handle it. Look to your neighbor and say, buckle up. All right, let's go. I need to stop chatting. I need to start teaching because we don't have that much time. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for each and every student and leader that is in the room tonight. Lord, I thank you that they're not just bodies and chairs, but that these are souls that you created, Lord. And I don't think it's by accident that anyone is here tonight. So, Lord, I just ask that every heart and every mind would be open to you, Lord. That would be open to what you want to speak to us tonight. Lord, I pray that it wouldn't be me talking, but that it would be you, Holy Spirit, come. Come tonight. Come in this room. Come in power. Come in love. Come show us what you want us to see. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. If you have your Bible tonight, paper Bible, iPhone Bible, Samsung Bible, whatever you've got, I want you to get it out, and I want you to turn to the book of Leviticus. We're going there. Yep, we're doing it. It's the third book in. you got to flip all the way to the front. Someone tell me when you get there. Well, that was fast. Who else? You there? All right. Let's do it. So Leviticus is essentially a book of laws. And it's in the Old Testament. And laws are very important in the Old Testament because there's a disconnection between man and God. And Jesus hasn't been sent yet. So this disconnection, the only way that it could be put back together or tried to be put back together was through these laws. And so people tried to stick to these laws word for word, exactly how they're written. And so through a man named Moses... God gives him instructions for offerings. In the book of Leviticus, there are many different offerings, and they all symbolize different things. But the boldest offering, and we're in with boldness, the boldest offering was a burnt offering. So let's read Leviticus 1. We're going to start right at the top, verses 1 through 5. It says, The Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the temple, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of livestock from the herd or from the flock. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer a male without blemish. 
He shall bring it to the entrance of the temple that he may be accepted before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. Then he shall kill the bull before the Lord and Aaron's sons, the priest, shall bring the blood and throw the blood against the sides of the altar that is at the entrance of the temple. This sounds a little bit crazy and a little bit disgusting, right? Some of you guys are looking at me like, what? And then some of y'all are like, I go hunting. This is right up my alley. (laughs) But this is a little bit gross. Moses kind of sounds insane. But there are some really important instructions that I want to look at tonight. And then I kind of want to break down for us. So the first thing happening here is a sacrifice of the best. The worshiper was instructed to bring their very best to the temple. It says a male without blemish which basically means don't bring the runt of the litter. Like, don't bring the dude with the broken foot, okay? Don't bring the one that you didn't want in the first place. Don't bring the one that's, like, a little bit smaller than the rest. Like, bring the best of the herd. So that's what happens first is a sacrifice of the best. The next thing we see is the word atonement. Can you say atonement? There we go. Atonement means the covering of sins. And lastly is an instruction to take the blood and splatter it. And this is called the process of purification. So the worshiper would take some of the animal's blood and splatter it in the temple. And this was done so the temple could be clean and holy and purified. When I was studying about the burnt offering this week, I was trying to like download as much information as I could absorb about it. And I found this article that I thought gives a really good picture. So I'm just going to read it word for word. So hang in there. Let's read this together. It's while the burnt offering is the first of the Levitical offerings, it is the oldest and most common found as early as the book of Genesis. This was an offering where the worshiper voluntarily devoting his whole offering to God through the fire. That is, the whole offering went up in smoke, providing a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord with nothing returned to the worshiper, which made the burnt offering distinct from the others. Parts of the other sacrifices were burned on the altar, but the burnt offering was totally consumed by fire. Everything burned to ashes, nothing left. The burnt offering was the only offering entirely burned, sometimes leaving it called the whole offering. And get this, this is my favorite part. The burning was so gradual that it should last from morning to evening or from one daily sacrifice to the next. It was commanded that the fire on the altar should never go out. Okay, so you might be wondering tonight, why are we reading and focusing so much on the Old Testament? And I'm with you. Like, sometimes we think the Old Testament is just a bunch of cool stories. And let me tell you, the coolest stories you are ever going to read are in the Old Testament. There's some crazy things happening, but there's also some ideas and concepts and imagery that is still applicable to us today. The Bible tells us that Jesus came not to destroy these laws, but to fulfill these laws. So we can't throw them away. We can't forget about them because what Jesus did is he came so that they would be meaningful to us. So the burnt offering is still applicable to us, but now it looks a little bit different. So remember those three steps that we talked about. Tonight we're going to break those down and we're going to see what they mean to our life today. Is everyone still with me? We're hanging in there? Okay, feel free to tell me when you're still good, when you're still hanging in there. Let's look at an example of a burnt offering in Scripture. In Judges 6, we find an example of a burnt offering, and it's through the story of Gideon. 
So Gideon has an encounter with the Lord through an angel. Like I said, in the Old Testament, there was a disconnection between man and God, so much so that they couldn't be in his presence. So often, if you wanted to speak to them, he would send an angel. So Gideon gets visited by an angel, and the angel brings him a word of the Lord, and he says, I need you to go save Israel. And God tells him that he's sending him on a mission. He's going to go on mission for the Lord. And I want us to pay attention at to Gideon's response to this. So I'm going to read it. Judges 8:18. It says, this is Gideon talking to the angel. He says, don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you. The angel answers, I will stay here until you return. So Gideon hurried home. He cooked a young goat. I think that's funny. <laughs> he cooked a young goat. And with a basket of flour, he baked some bread without yeast. Then carrying the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot, he brought them out and presented them to the angel who was under the great tree. The angel of God said to him, place the meat and the unleavened bread on this rock and pour the broth over it. And Gideon did as he was told. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and bread with the tip of the staff in his hand and fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all he had brought. So this is a burnt offering, fire consuming everything that was on the altar. I want us to read the first line of that again in verse 18. Gideon says, don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you. And the angel of the Lord, who is God, speaking to Gideon, says, I will stay here until you return. The best part of this story is that Gideon's response from the call of God to go on mission, to go do great things, wasn't immediately to go, but it was an internal offering. Before he goes on mission for God, he brings a sacrifice to God. And God honors that. And he says, I will stay here until you return. What I want us to see tonight is that this is meant to be us. Our sacrifice is our lives unto the Lord. It's my first point. Point number one, my sacrifice, the best brought and burnt. So if you remember the process we talked about earlier of this burnt offering, the first thing they did was bring their best. And like I said, the title of the message tonight is Sacrificial Mission. And that word mission can be kind of confusing sometimes because as Christians, we think like mission, like mission trips or mission fields, like going and doing things and giving people the opportunity to see the love of Jesus, like on mission. And that's great. That is a calling for us to pursue. But I want to challenge us tonight. What if I looked at my first and most important mission, not as the world around me, but as myself? Like my heart is the mission field. If every Christian saw the statement on mission as boldly pursuing to be purified in God's presence daily, then the personality of Jesus would just flow out of us. And these things like mission trips and sharing the love of God are gonna be a byproduct of what's happening in here. The sacrificial mission is to become all flame for Jesus. That's the mission, to sacrifice, to become all flame. We long for the world to look good. And to accomplish this task, we do things like we invite people to church. I hear you guys all the time talking about stories in your small groups where you're like, I told this person at school about Jesus. I saw a picture of some boys praying for random people in the grocery store. Like you guys are so bold. And that is exactly what God wants you to be doing. But he also wants us to be being. And he wants us to be a sacrifice, your best brought and burnt. 
the best thing that we can give to God is the perfect thing that he made. And you know what the perfect thing in your life that God made is? It's you. You are the perfect thing. God sees you as perfect. Just like we sang in that song tonight, like you see my heart when you see me. He sees your soul. He sees that inmost being that he created and he sees it as perfect. Now he might not always see like what you do or your desires or your flesh or the decisions you make. Those aren't always perfect, but he sees the you that he created as perfect. So the best you can bring to the Lord is your heart. It's you. That's the best offering. Your heart is everything you are, and it's everything you're ever going to be, and it is your best brought before the Lord. If you question that tonight, like, am I God's best? I have some scripture to back it up. So here we go. Genesis 1.27, it says, God created humans in his own image. I'm never going to question, like, is God perfect? I don't think so. So that must not be me. No, like in his own image, I was created. He created male and female in his own image. And in Genesis, where this, come from, where this comes from, during the creation story, I think it's really cool how God responds to creating us. He creates, like, the stars in the sky, and he creates the moon and the sun, and he looks at it, and he says, it is good. And then he creates the mountain and the sea, and he looks at it, and he said, it is good. Like, he created the most beautiful landscape, and he goes, it is good. And then he created Adam and Eve, and you know what he said? It is very good. He did not say it is good. He said it is very good, which means when he created man and woman, his reaction was better than when he created Mount Everest. Like this should be blowing your mind right now. He created you and he said it is very good. Just like Adam and Eve, he created you. Psalm 139. You created my inmost being, the heart, the soul, your truest form of self. You knit me together in my mother's room, and I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and I know it very well. Do you know that you are God's very, very best? You are not the runt of the litter, okay? You're not the little sheep with the broken leg. Like, you are God's best piece of artwork, and he wants you to bring yourself to him and to set it ablaze. Like that's why we're here tonight is because you are the best and you are called to be all flame. A sacrifice with boldness is an offering that says fire can be uncomfortable. Like have you ever been at a bonfire and you got a little bit too close and you're like, oh, my eyebrows. That can be uncomfortable. It's a sacrifice that's single-minded, meaning it has one goal to pursue sanctification, closer union with God. Sacrifice with boldness is a sacrifice that's all-consuming. Like nothing left, nothing hidden. It's all consuming. Sacrifice with boldness doesn't expect anything in return. It gives it all up and it says, if I never got anything else, that'd be okay. Old Testament burnt offerings were all consuming. It's your very best brought and burnt. You are the Lord's piece of artwork. Don't forget it. And so much so that he sent Jesus, like God sent Jesus so that the offering of your heart would be possible. Sometimes we can think like God sent Jesus so that I didn't have to go to hell, which is true, but God sent Jesus so that you could be connected with him here, so that your heart could be laid on the altar here, so that that would be possible. The next step of the burnt offering was atonement. We kind of just flew by that word, but that's my point number two. God's sacrifice was Jesus for our atonement. So the whole reason 
for the Old Testament offering was because they could not offer themselves to God. So they had to try and come up with like a system and a way to where they could get close to God and try their very best to be in his presence. But obviously it wasn't cutting it. So in order to lay our lives on the altar, there needed to be a much greater sacrifice. And so God said, I'll sacrifice. And he sent Jesus, the God of creation, gives us a perfect example of laying it all on the line. When he sends Jesus, he sent himself to be a sacrifice. Throughout scripture, Jesus is referred to as the Lamb of God. And if this was ever confusing to you, this is why. This burnt offering that we're talking about, that's why. Because the people of his time were used to this. So they would have understood that if Jesus was the lamb, he was going to be the once and for all burnt offering. He was going to be the last one that his blood and body would be slain. That would be the end. Jesus was going to be the end of the death so that we could be connected to God. First John 2, 2, it says, but if anyone does sin, I do sin you do sin. Everyone in this room does sin. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only for our sins, but for the sins of the world. So the Old Testament priests were sacrificing for atonement, for the covering of sin, but it wasn't cutting it. So now Jesus sacrificed for atonement, for the covering of our sin. The one who is truly righteous, he covers all your sin and he throws it away. As far as east is to the west, he throws it away and he saves us from the wrath of God forever. In the process of the burnt offering, the death of the animal or the death of Jesus, that's what it's compared to, as atonement for our sin is not the end of the story. It's not the last step. There was a third step there. And I think this is where we often stop ourselves from like going further. Like we decide, okay, Jesus died for my sin. I'm okay with that. Like I don't, I I, I can go to heaven now. Like love saved me, but there's something in here that wants to change you. There's something in here that wants to transform you. There's a next step. And if you don't take this next step, what's going to happen is you're going to accept Jesus and you're going to be like, he died for me. And then day by day, you're going to walk a little bit further away from God. And that separation is going to sneak back up. You'll never be taken out of his hand, but you're going to walk a little bit further. You're going to widen that gap of union with God. It's like a sin cycle. And if you've been here before, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I've been here before where every day I just stepped a little bit further away from God because I decided to accept the fact that Jesus saved me and then never do anything else about it. But there's a third step here tonight. If you're wondering, how do I take my heart and my soul and my life and put it on the altar and set it aflame for Jesus? Like, what is the requirement for that? In the Old Testament, there was a lot of things that had to put you in this position to where you could do this. Like the priests were able to do it. Rich people were able to do it because they had lambs and oxes and bulls. There was just a bunch of qualifications that you had to go through. But I want to tell you tonight that every single person in this room, you meet the qualification to be all flame. Because my point number three, the requirement for all flame is daily communion with God. Write it down. The requirement for all flame is daily communion with God. 
All right, let's recap the imagery of the Old Testament burnt offering really fast. So we have number one, which is bring your best. The best is me. I'm God's best artwork. The second step was atonement. The atonement is Jesus. His blood covers my sins. And then step number three, this is new. Covering the temple with blood. That blood splatter that we talked about. The temple is my heart. It's a dwelling place for the Lord. Jesus came to fulfill this process. So because of Jesus, no longer do I have to walk into a temple with a perfect lamb and slaughter it. But now I am the temple in which the perfect lamb has been slaughtered for. The temple is now your heart. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, it says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. Don't you realize that your heart is the temple? Don't you realize that there's another step to take? Like, don't you realize that there is more? That we don't just stop at salvation, that there is more. Because of God's sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice lives in me. Like, let's all wrap our minds around that. I feel like we're a little asleep to how amazing this is. Like the perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ himself lives in you. The hope of eternity lives in you. If you've accepted Jesus, this is true. This is truth that he lives in you, that your heart is his desirable home, that this is the dwelling place for the God Almighty. Like that is insane. My heart is his home. So that next step that we talked about is that the worshiper would take the blood of the animal and they would splatter it throughout the temple. And it was called purification. What do we do with blood today? Like with the blood of Jesus, we do something called communion. Daily communion with God. And what this symbolizes is that this lamb, this perfect Jesus, who was slaughtered so that he could be in my temple, he now has a cup, he now has a covenant that he wants you to drink and he wants it to come in you and to wash your temple clean. He wants the blood to be splattered. Daily communion is not just a drink though. Like it's not just the cup. We don't just drink it. Communion is not just a liquid that we drink, but it's a connection point to the Father. Communion is connection. And daily communion is daily purification. So that we can be clean before God. So that our temple can be clean. So that Jesus has a place that he says, this is good. I want to live here. And the cup of his covenant, it's begging to be drank by you. It's begging to wash over your heart and to make it a clean and holy and pure home. When we take this cup, when we drink of communion and we remember, it's like purification is taking place in our mind, in our body, and in our hearts. It's purifying the home that he desires. It's setting your soul up for Jesus. Like when you have a house guest come over and you make your bed, if you don't do that, you should. You should clean the floor. You should make your bed because you're setting up the home. This is what communion does is it's setting up a place for Jesus. And this is really cool. When you set up a place for Jesus with communion, when you let his blood wash and clean your temple, you're saying, okay, now you can come and start the fire. Like now you can come and set the flame. 
And not only are you going to burn brightly and radiantly to where other people are going to see you, like what we talked about going on mission, if it starts in here, it's going to come out and other people are going to see you. I like this illustration. This isn't in my notes, but I'm going to say it. I like this illustration that I heard one time in high school when someone was talking about a flashlight versus a fire. Like a flashlight points at people and it's kind of scary and you're like, oh gosh, I'm blind. But a fire is glowing and it's radiant and it attracts people to it. That's what's happening in your heart. And not only is that happening, but also when you ask God to set your heart aflame for him, all the gunky stuff that lives in your temple, all the bad stuff, it gets out. The addiction, sin, anxiety, depression, worry, fear, shame, loneliness, guilt, the list can go on and on and on. When you ask the Lord to come set your heart aflame, not only is it radiant, not only is it shining, not only are you doing things for the Lord now, but all that crap that didn't belong, it's gone. It gets burned up. The burnt offering has nothing left. It has nothing left. It's all consuming. Your temple is made holy. And now Jesus can dwell there. Someday, there is going to be no temple because Jesus is going to come back. And that is good news. Jesus will return. But for now, my heart is the temple. My heart is his dwelling place. And so my heart will be my mission field. For now, my heart will be where every sacrifice is made. It starts in here, and then it goes out there. Every last piece of me will be brought to the altar and I'll lay it before him because I want to be all flame and no fear. Like I don't want to be afraid of what it looks like to be all consumed. I want to be all flame, no fear. I want to read this poem tonight and I think it captures the heart of this message really well. I didn't write it. If I did, that would be really cool, but I didn't. Here's what it says. It says, God knocks at my door seeking a home for his son. Rent is cheap, I say. I don't want to rent it. I want to buy, says God. I'm not sure I want to sell, but you might come in and look around. I think I will, says God. I might let you have a room or two. I like it, says God. I'll take the two. You might decide to give me more someday. I can wait, says God. I'd like to give you more, but it's a bit difficult. I need some space for me. I know, says God, but I'll wait. I like what I see. Hmm, maybe I can let you have another room. I really don't need it that much. Thanks, says God. I love how God is in this. He's like, cool. Thanks, says God. I'll take it because I like what I see. I'd like to give you the whole house, but I'm not sure. Think on it, says God. I wouldn't put you out. Your house would be mine and my son would live in it you'd have more space than you've ever had before. I don't understand it all. I know, says God, but I can't tell you about that. You'll have to discover it for yourself. And that can only happen if you let me have the whole house. A bit risky, I say. Yes, says God, but try me. I'm not sure. I'll let you know. I can wait says God, because I like what I see. This is bold. 
like when it said a bit risky. Anyone feel that in here? Like a bit risky. I'm about to cross the line. It is a bit risky. It's bold. Trusting God with everything you have and everything you ever will be is a bold move. And it sounds intense because it's a huge leap of faith. But I'm reminded about Gideon's encounter here when God said, I'll wait for you. Like, I'll wait for you. God wanted him to go and save Israel, but more than that, he wanted him to be consecrated for his glory. More than he wanted him to go and do great things, he wanted him to be a sacrifice for him. And God looked at Gideon and said, no matter how long it takes you to bring this offering, I will wait. Like, I'm not going anywhere. He would wait for him to see that God cares more about the state of your soul than he cares about your productivity for his kingdom. I'm gonna. God cares more about the state of your soul than he cares about your productivity for his kingdom. I forgot to tell the band to come up, so maybe now would be a good time. <laughs> there we go. God is waiting for you to bring him an offering to set something on the altar and set it ablaze. And he's saying, I will not leave. I'm waiting for you. No matter how long it takes, I'm waiting for you because he's so patient and he's so kind and he's loving. He's long-suffering. That's one of my favorite attributes of God is that he will wait until the very last second, until the final judgment day. Like he will be waiting for you to come and to set all that you are on his altar. But can I tell you how much better it is on the other side of reservation? Like, can I tell you that salvation is enough, but transformation and sanctification and purification is so much better. It's so much better. And I'm speaking from experience here tonight. Like when I decided that I was going to go all in, when I was going to cross the line, when I was going to give him all the rooms in my house, when I decided that, my life got so much better. I was like, I didn't know life could be like this. I didn't know that I could say these things, that I could worship God like this, that I could have friendships and relationships like this. I would not be standing right here on this stage with a microphone in my hand if it weren't for going all in, if it weren't for being all flame. And so I wish so bad that I could make every single person in this room set their heart on the altar tonight. Like I really wish I do. I really wish I could. Because I want everyone to experience what I've experienced in God. Like, I wish that I could, but I can't. Because he says that he's waiting for you to make that decision. He's waiting for you. He's not waiting for me to bring a good message. He's not waiting to download information in me to spit it back at you. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to say, come Holy Spirit, speak to me. Tell me, come make this place your home. He's waiting for you. This series has been super good. And everything that we've discussed is so applicable. And it's amazing. And it's things that I want us to do. And I can tell that you guys are excited about boldness this year. Like, I really can. The energy in this place has been insane the last four weeks. Like, in the lobby, it's crazy. You guys are crazy. You guys are starting prayer huddles after service has been over. Like I've stayed here until 10 o'clock at night listening to you guys pray for each other. And you guys are coming to midweek prayer and you're showing up on the weekend sitting front row, showing the whole church what it looks like to pursue boldness. I can tell that you're excited, but I can also tell you what's gonna happen if you pursue boldness without first making yourself all flame. It's not gonna look how you wanted it to. So we're gonna go back 
In week one, we talked about doing it scared. If you do it scared without being all flame, you're gonna constantly question your purpose and your worth. You're gonna do things that you're afraid to do. You're gonna say things you're afraid to say. And then you're gonna go home and be like, that wasn't it. And you're gonna constantly question because you haven't consecrated your heart. And eventually you won't be bold. You won't be doing it scared because you'll be afraid. Week two, we discussed unity. If you try to honor others without being all flame, then you're gonna outwardly have these hard and awkward conversations. Who had a hard and awkward conversation last week? Anyone? Yeah, I know you did. I listened. I know you did. If you are gonna try to honor others without being all flame, you're gonna keep having those conversations and outwardly you're gonna pursue unity, but inwardly you're gonna grow bitter and you're gonna have unforgiveness and you're gonna like slander those people in your heart. And eventually you won't be pursuing unity because you're gonna be tired of faking it. And you'll actually be going in the opposite direction. Last week we talked about holy desperation. If you want holy desperation without being all flame, you're gonna grow desperate. But it's not gonna be for a move of God. It's not gonna be for this revival that we're praying for. You're gonna grow desperate for fulfillment and you're gonna find it in other things. You're not gonna find it in God. And eventually you're gonna be so far away from the line of going all flame that you're gonna forget it even existed. You're gonna be completely on the other side if you try to do these things without first making your heart the home of the Lord and saying, not only is this your home, but you have free reign. You have every room because this is my sacrifice. I've set it ablaze for you, Lord. I am all flame and no fear. I want this vision statement of with boldness to start in us and then come out of us. I don't want it to be the opposite. I don't want us to be faking boldness. I want it to be true. I want it to be in us. I want New Song students to be all flame. I wanna go to a coffee shop and see you guys reading your Being Transformed journal in public. That's all flame, no fear. I wanna hear stories about you guys at school speaking up for Jesus and sharing the gospel. I wanna see people walk in these doors that I know you invited from your sports teams because New Song students is all flame. I want that. And I want it to go beyond the walls of this building. I don't want these bold conversations to stay in small group. I want you to take them home to your dinner table. I don't want it to stay here. And I want it to last more than four weeks. Like this is our 2023 vision statement. I want it to last even more than that. I want it to last the rest of your life. I want all flame to be a way that you live. And can I tell you, God wants that too. He delights so much in looking at you and seeing a heart consecrated for his glory. Tonight could be the end of boldness for you. This four week series could be where you decide to leave it or it could be the beginning. You could choose tonight that this is gonna be how I live, all flame. There's a man in the Bible who had it right he had a lot of things, right? He did some wrong things, but he had it right most of the time. And his name was David. He was a man after God's own heart. And this is what he has to say in Psalm 51. And I love this. He says, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. My sacrifice, oh God, is a broken spirit. He writes this Psalm 
whenever he's trying to purchase something at like a really high price. Like he wants to show God that I will give everything I am to purchase this. And he couldn't find a sacrifice that was worth enough. So he said, Lord, I will give you my spirit broken and undone for you. This is what he's saying. He's saying, God does not delight in all I could do for him if I'm not giving all that I am to him. So good. So this message comes with a challenge. And I wanna challenge you guys to be bold tonight in this altar time because I wanna challenge you to be like David, to ask the Lord to break your spirit. I wanna challenge you to make your heart the home of God, not where you're holding back rooms and saying, I need this one for myself. But I want you to give every space to God. I mentioned earlier in the reading of the burnt offering when it said like the offering would go from day to night, from day after day, a continual aroma. And I want us to focus on that tonight too. Like as we put our lives on the altar, this isn't a one-time thing. This doesn't just happen one time at the beginning of the year and then last for the rest of your life. Like this is a continual thing where you would be reminded and you'd be praying, Lord, would the fire never go out? Like I don't wanna ever look at my life and go, oh my gosh, I ended up with no fire. Like I ended up back on the other side. I'm in reservation again. It's okay if you do because he says that you can get back to him, that you can cross the line again and you can be all flame again but I just wanna resurrender day after day to where he knows, Lord, this fire is never gonna go out because my heart is for you. So we're gonna do something a little bit different tonight and we're gonna take communion. Don't look around you yet because it's not where you think it's gonna be. <laughs> the communion is gonna be up here on the stage. Someone's gonna bring it. I don't know who. Amen. you wanna bring it? Okay, the communion's gonna be up here. And we're gonna have a time of altar ministry where I'm gonna challenge you guys tonight to come up here and to pray a prayer on your own accord. Like we always talk about at New Song Students, own your faith. So I'm not gonna lead you through a communion prayer because I want you to make this decision for you tonight. I want you to say, this is what I wanna do. I wanna drink of his cup. I want his blood to splatter my temple because I've decided tonight that I will be all flame, that this altar is where I will leave every room, that this altar is where I will say goodbye to the things that don't belong in the temple of the Lord, that this altar right here tonight is a symbolism of my life, that I will be all flame and no fear. And as I drink of this cup tonight, as I take in his covenant and remember that Jesus died so that I could make this decision, would it be a daily reminder of daily communion with God? So if you wanna do that tonight, in just a minute, I'm gonna ask you to come forward, to boldly step up, not just to hide in your chair and take it out from behind your seat, but to boldly step up and come up here and take this cup and make that decision for yourself. There's gonna be leaders on the sides of the room, leaders if you wanna make your way, altar ministry leaders to the sides of the room. If you wanna to talk to them about it, if you have questions, concerns, or a prayer request of any kind, they're gonna be there. But this front right here is gonna be open for people who wanna make this decision tonight, who wanna pursue boldness from the inside out. And I do wanna say like, if this is not you, that's okay. Because like we read, 
It is a bit risky and God will wait. He would rather you come with an honest heart that actually is going to set a flame for the Lord than just go through the motions. So if it's not you, you can sit in your chair and there is no judgment. Like no one in this room is gonna look less of you. If it's not you, you don't have to come forward tonight. But if it is you, you guys can start making your way up.